Welcome in to the Paul Kuharski Podcast, part of 440 Sports. I'm Paul Kuharski from paulkuharski.com. One, two, three mentions of the name, due diligence, contractual obligations fulfilled. Here we go. Proud to be brought to you by Jasper's Nashville's go-to spot to play, eat, and drink. Doesn't have to be in that order. Here's what we're going to do. All offseason, um, we've talked about the status of Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, and Kevin Byard for states of their game and for states of their finances. So we're going to go back through a week now before the draft and examine the status of those three guys, the potential for something still to happen, why it could, why it couldn't, where we think we're going to wind up after the draft is over a week from Saturday late afternoon. Uh, We're going to look at draft lists, some of which uh, came across my desk just today, recording uh, Wednesday evening, uh, contemptible, I I think. Um, and, And we'll wrap up with some talk about the Titans' new veteran receiver. Don't let him fool you. Um, and away we go. So let's start with Ryan Tannehill. I, I previewed there, you know, the conversation. Came into the offseason thinking something has to be done with Ryan Tannehill's outrageous cap number, $36.6 million, if I have it correct. Thinking, um, you know, my thought was that he would get extended and they would push some of that cap number out, get themselves into a position a year or two from now where they'd be able to do what they could do now where they could uh, cut or move him, swallow a big chunk of cap, but also get a big chunk of cap relief and get the quarterback position in order um, for the long haul, but not have to do it um, right now because they've got so much else um, to deal with. Now, you know, there was a rumor about the Jets maybe being interested, but obviously the Aaron Rodgers thing, I think, is, is bound to happen. The, the Packers can't get out of their need to get out from under um, Aaron Rodgers, ultimately, and, and the Jets are pretty pot committed, it seems like, to Aaron Rodgers being their quarterback. Let's look at the potential places he could still land. I don't think there's a market anymore for Ryan Tannehill. I think heading into the draft, every quarterback needy team has either dealt with the quarterback position or intends to deal with the quarterback position in the draft, particularly with the four top quarterbacks here, uh, Young, Stroud, Levis, and or uh, Richardson. So um, six teams, I think, could be better off excuse me, with Ryan Tannehill. Let's let's consider them. The Colts have $23 million. Now, you've got to be in position, at least initially, um, or, or you've got to negotiate as this trade it would happen out of a $27 million base salary this season. That's, that's enormous. Titans save a lot of money by offloading him. The Titans would save $17.8 million. They would eat $18.8 million. Uh, But the inheriting team with only one year left on the contract would be inheriting $27 million base salary. 
I would think they would immediately want to be extending him and getting that number down because that number is bigger than the, the cap money that all of these teams I'm going to talk about has free right now. I'm going in draft order. The Colts, um, well, I'm going slightly out of draft order, maybe in money order. The Colts have $23 million. Gardner Minshew is their starter. Nick Foles, Sam Ellinger are on their roster, and they have pick number four at which – most people are expecting they're going to wind up with one of these draft quarterbacks or that their alternate plan would be to make an offer for that number four pick to go to the Baltimore Ravens in exchange for Lamar Jackson, but they would have to come to some contractual understanding with Lamar Jackson. And that seems virtually impossible. Uh, in division trade of a starting quarterback seems highly unlikely, and we've heard no rumblings about this. The Cardinals have $19 million. Kyler Murray's coming back from a serious injury. It's going to take him some time, but ultimately he's the starting quarterback there, so Tannehill would fall to a backup position. You're going to spend that kind of money on uh, on a backup quarterback. He'd have to take a severely reduced salary. Um, and again, I think the the return in draft picks that you would get for Ryan Tannehill is a lot lower than a lot of people expect because of the one year of contractual control slash the necessity that you negotiate with him to extend it to get the, the money down. So that decreases the value of the asset. The Patriots have $11 million in cap room. A lot of talk about them being down on Mac Jones, the way he carried himself last year, though they put him in a shit situation with non-offensive coordinators coordinating and, and quarterback coaching him. Should be in a better situation now with Bill O'Brien back, Bailey Zappi, Trace McSorley, the other two, they have pick 14. Could they want to come up to 11 maybe to get a quarterback if one's there? Uh, or to get a cornerback that they like. Uh, these things are all uh, possibilities in a trade-up. But do they want Ryan Tannehill? I would suspect not. Falcons have nearly $9 million in cap money. They've spent a lot of time getting to this point where they're free from cap hell, and they've spent a lot of cap money. <clears throat> Desmond Ritter is their guy now, second-year man. Uh, who was behind Marcus Mariota for most of the year last year, Tyler, uh, Taylor Henneke, Logan Woodside. They have pick number eight. Um, you know, so they could conceivably draft a quarterback if they wanted one, but I, I don't see a scenario that everybody likes to pair Arthur Smith with both Tannehill and Derrick Henry. They don't take into account the money. Um, and and I, don't, I don't see a match there. The Jets, under $9 million in cap money, Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle, Chris Streveler, they're at pick 13. Already mentioned, you know, I think you, me, everybody in America, our grandmothers who don't cover football, expect that Aaron Rodgers is going to end up there. It's just a matter of when. I think most Titans fans think the best chance for Ryan Tannehill to get dealt is for something to happen that scraps the Aaron Rodgers deal entirely to the Jets then the Jets would be a team that needed Ryan Tannehill. And I, I agree with that. It's conceivable something could happen there. I just don't see the Rodgers thing falling apart. Commanders have just over $3 million in salary cap money. Uh, uh, money. This is according to Spotrack. 
Sam Howell, their second-year guy, who they're eager to give a chance to. Jacoby Brissett, um, pretty decent backup. Jake Fromm, and they've got pick 16. Um, I, don't, I don't see a market for Ryan Tannehill here, and I think uh, cutting him um, at this stage, uh, save 17.8, 18.8, and then you don't have a quarterback unless you're drafting one here. And even if you're drafting one here, it's very likely to be Levis or Richardson. I think both of them, Richardson in particular, would be well served by sitting for a while. If you're sitting him for a while, who would you like him to sit behind? I'd like him to sit behind Ryan Tannehill. Um, if you waited until after June 1st or designated him as a June 1st cut, you'd save more money now uh, and you'd spill uh, some of the costs into 2024. I don't know that the Titans need to do that because what are they spending this money on now? It's not like there's a, a lot of high-quality free agents left out there. Um, and, and they've gotten the Jeffrey Simmons deal done. The reason they have $10 million of cap room now is because they saved $4 million with Simmons' first-year number, which went down from, from north of $10 million to north of six. Could they have gotten something more for Ryan Tannehill at the beginning of, of the quarterback market before Derek Carr's move to New Orleans and before Jimmy Garoppolo's move to the Raiders? I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I mean, Garoppolo married to McDaniels uh, from their time together in New England, so that marriage with the Raiders makes sense. And Carr was visiting very quickly with the Saints, though he was hoping maybe for something better somewhere else. But that seemed a predetermined marriage. Uh, I think Carr and Tannehill aren't too far apart. Uh, Garoppolo's a different kind of guy. Tannehill certainly, um, you know, between his Miami injuries and his injury this year has been a much more durable guy than Jimmy G. He's also a much more expensive guy than Jimmy G. But again, they would have had to negotiate that down. I can't see anything happening with, with Ryan Tannehill. It's certainly hard to envision something that involves compensation. I think there are teams that would snatch up Ryan Tannehill if he hit the market. But um, I don't know. It's hard for me to envision this team moving forward without Ryan Tannehill. Malik Wellis can't be the starter. They're not going to do this tank tank thing. Um, and even if they draft a quarterback, maybe they're just going to let him play it out. Maybe there's still an extension to come. Um, I think, though, uh, and I answered this in my mailbag last week, it does seem like that extension or something to deal with that cap number would have come early, right? They're now not in bad cap shape. Um, and we'll touch on one or two moves they could still make after we go through Derek Henry and Kevin Byard here. Derek Henry, you could save $6 million in order to eat $10 million, which is off balance, right? You want to save a big chunk of money uh, and eat a smaller chunk of money or have it be at least equitable like it is with Tannehill. It doesn't make a lot of sense to offload Derek Henry or to cut him in order to save $6 million, which you aren't desperate to have, 
uh, while eating $10 million when you could just be paying him his $10.5 million base salary this year and uh, preparing for life after him when this contract expires. I've talked a lot about how I do not think he's the, the level of acquisition. A lot of Titans fans who are really passionate about the guy, and I understand why, think that he is worth. He's an aging running back, which is a red flag, getting close to third. He needs volume carries to be successful, which means you have to change your offense to give him the ball a lot in order to get the most success. And you'd have to rearrange your finances to, to get him in. Odds are you are not allocating $10.5 million to your starting running back right now. And you would have to, again, be equipped to allocate $10.5 million to him or uh, be willing to extend him in a way that brings that number down. And uh, how many teams are eager to extend a third, you know, nearly 30 year old running back? Not, not many. Now, I know it only takes one, but I, I, I use Buffalo as the example because Buffalo is a team that could clearly use a much better running back than it has. Now, Josh Allen's going to run a lot no matter what, and that's a huge piece of their offense. So if you take out Josh Allen's runs from last year, there were 18 carries a game for running backs in Buffalo's offense last year. Well, the last time the Titans won a game with – Derrick Henry carrying 18 times or fewer was December 18th, 2019. Derrick Henry on 18 carries is not really Derrick Henry. In the last four years with the Titans, and he missed half of one season with his Jones fracture, so it's really three and a half years of workload. In the last three and a half years of workload with Derrick Henry, in games where he had 18 or fewer carries, the Titans are 2-12. and 12. He needs more than 18 carries. A team like Buffalo doesn't have more than 18 carries to give him unless they're revamping their offense. And Buffalo's got a pretty good offense. So I, I don't know that they would be revamping for a 28, 29-year-old guy who's coming with a $10.5 million salary who they'd have to give up some kind of draft pick for. It just doesn't make a lot of sense from the Buffalo perspective. And I'm using Buffalo as an example, but a lot of other teams would fit the same way. If you're a team that's going to have a running back carry 24 times, and there aren't too many of those teams that are giving that many carries to one guy, you already have your guy. Or if you want to be that, you're going to draft your guy. Um, so, I don't see anything happening for Derrick Henry. A word about Bijan Robinson. Um, you know, I don't see a lot of blue chip, blue chip guys in this draft at Titans positions of need. I, I'm not big on spending big draft resources at running back at all. With well, the Titans do need a third down back. They're probably a year away from being done with Derrick Henry. If they took Robinson 11, I think there'd probably be a great deal of protest, and I might be at the head of the line there. But it, they could defend it. 
they could say, this guy's coming in. He's going to spell Derek on third down this year. He's a fantastic runner. He's a fantastic catcher. Um, and then a year from now, when when we say a, a sad goodbye to Derek and a thank you for everything that you've done for us, we've got a three-down running back who could do everything. And we could remain a, a run-based offense. And this guy's role in the passing offense would be great for our new young quarterback who's going to be in the pipeline somewhere soon. I don't think that's a favorable scenario, but I also keep looking for the guy at 11 who is a guarantee for this team. And I can't find him. I can't find him on the offensive line. I can find a bunch of guys who are good, but not great. I can't find him at receiver where I see uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's good and maybe he'll be great. But he's coming in off a year where he only played three games because of a hamstring onto a team where all of us are are sick and tired of injuries. And, and how can you get that excited about a guy who's bringing in uh, just the sort of injury that you're dying for the team to avoid at all costs? So I'm not making a case for Robinson. I'm just saying there might be a case for, for Robinson because he is blue chip, right? Somebody's getting a blue chip player there. Um, Bayard is the third guy for us to cover here. He was surely asked to take less money, and that's not an insult. It's not a crime. It's business. Guys are asked to take less money in the later years of expensive contracts all the time. Um, he did not ask for his release as a result of that restructures helped pump up his cap number. Those were not his fault. He's got $19.6 million cap number. It was a bigger deal before than it is now again, because the Titans are not in as bad a cap shape as they were. His base salary is 13.6. It's big for a safety. There's no getting around that in exchange for taking on that big cost. A, a team that would deal for him, that would bring the price down. Well, if I'm taking a 13.6 base salary for the next two years, that that makes the, the return that you're getting from me small. And for the Titans, it would create yet another need for a team that has a lot of needs. And you're already questionable at your other starting safety spot, because Imani Hooker, who's overpaid also, by the way, hasn't proven that he can stay healthy and give you a, a full seat. So you're starting out with six draft picks. This is with Kevin Byard on your roster, and you already need two wide receivers, at least one offensive lineman, a tight end, a third down running back, edge help, safety help, potentially inside linebacker help when I'd rather have another offensive line. So I, I, I got nine spots that I'd want. Ideally I'd love a kicker in there too, but they're going to have to go undrafted 10 spots that I'd want. Ideally out of six draft picks. Now, if you make a move with uh, Bayard, you're going to get at least a pick back, but you're going to have to spend one of those picks on a, on a, top safety so you create another need to save money 
And again, I don't think the money situation is so awful anymore. I don't think they have much less left to sign that's going to cost a lot of money. So I can't see a move with buyer. Again, this is a lopsided. You'd save $6 million in order to eat $13.6 million. And the new team would be taking um, 13.6 this year and 13.6 next year. Um, two places the Titans could still find money. Harold Landry. You don't want to get into restructuring guys like you used to, but they've got a ton of cap money next year. And Harold Landry's cap money this year is cap number this year is $18.8 million. That's a pretty big number to play with. Now, Danico Autry's got a big number this year, 9.1. I think Danico Autry remains a linchpin of this defensive front. Maybe the linchpin, the, the guy who glues the whole thing together. And until I see him not being that guy, until I see that front four having success with Landry and Key and Simmons and Weaver or draft pick or uh, I'm forgetting somebody. But um, without Danico Autry as a centerpiece of that, I need to see them succeed before I'm willing to part ways with Danico Autry. I, I, he's a guy I'm willing to wait and see hit the wall. I know he's getting older. So the only way I'd mess with that cap number is with an extension, and you don't want to extend a guy that old. So I, I would probably leave Danico Autry alone. But I'm hoping the Titans are in a position where they consider Danico Autry uh, an exception to getting younger next year and would still want him. Uh, because I, I think he's that important. He's one of those intangible guys who means that much to, to this team. Let me tell you a little bit about Jaspers. It's uh, Elevated Bar Fair. Now, you can eat really healthy if you want, or you can indulge like I did last time I was there. I had chili cheese fries. You can go for a business lunch. You can go like I do at, I'm perfectly comfortable eating alone. I got a podcast on my uh, earbud and uh, I'm reading some stuff on my phone, usually NFL stuff to keep up with, with what's going on. You can go on a date night uh, with your husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend. You can take the kids and have a family night. If you're in a hurry, they got a grab and go market where you can stop and grab something for later in the day. Uh, they've got games outside, shuffleboard and pop a shot, stuff like that. Those are free, just like the parking outside, which is, as you know, an incredibly rare thing in downtown Nashville. They're right on West End. I uh, can't recommend it highly enough. Also, a big screen and a cozy room uh, to take your drink or an appetizer and, uh, and, and watch the big game. So I can't recommend Jasper's highly enough. Really appreciate their sponsorship of uh, me. I appreciate your support of me. Now let's complete, complete the triangle and you go support them. Jasper's, great neighborhood spot, the kind of place we're all looking for. And you always say, wouldn't it be great if we had a place like Jasper's is what you're looking for. So go check it out. Draft lists. 
I'm not talking about scouting reports and I'm not talking about mock drafts. I'm talking about lists like you would sit and read name, position, school, number, name, position, school, height, weight, 40 times. And again, and again, and again, these things get clicks. I know they were getting clicks way back when I was at ESPN.com. I don't understand why you're reading them. And I want to urge you not to read them. And I want to give you, um, cause to go read better products, even if you're reading everything. Jordan Reed of ESPN has the latest one. I like Jordan. Nice guy. I don't know why he's wasting his time on this. I don't know why ESPN is so excited about this. I don't know why it's a premium product at ESPN+. Plus. I pay extra money for ESPN+, Plus, part of a package with Hulu and Disney+, Plus, I guess. But... Um, there's a hundred names and then there's a break to make it clear that the next section is 101 to 200 and then another list of 99 names and then a break to make it clear the next section is 201 to 300 and then another list of names and then 301 to 379, 379 names, just a list, no mention of what makes this guy different than the other guy or why you should care that he's got this one over that one. Come on. What, what differentiates this? Am I, am I really to believe that Payne Durham, the tight end from Purdue at 195, has some distinction from Davis Allen, the tight end from Clemson, at 201? What makes, uh, what makes him 195 and 201? And do we think that he knows while he's spacing them out with an inside linebacker, a running back, a defensive tackle, a quarterback, and a wide receiver between them, that there are incremental differences there? No. He's saying, well, i got to mix these up. Every once in a while, he's got wide receivers back-to-back. -back. Boy, I wonder what the difference between 165 and 166 was here. That's got to be really – I mean, he was up all night watching tape of those two guys to decide. Well, no, you know what? Hey, Marge. I was up all night, but I decided to flip those two guys. Yeah, people are really going to appreciate that on that list. Give me a break. Come on. Jeff Legwald does one of these, but I think later on, I think at least it's only 100 guys. I mean, 100 guys is digestible. This, this is nonsense. Um, you can't pretend, first off, no matter what you're watching, to know 379 guys. And if you know 379 guys, then tell me a little bit about it. Give me some ink. Give me give me two sentences on why this guy ranks ahead of that guy and behind this guy. Or or tell me some about him. That list is ridiculous. I, I don't go look at it. Go read Dane Brugler's The Beast, where he covers hundreds of guys in great detail with high school history, college history, statistics, and uh, strengths and weaknesses and, you know, a final bold line that's like his ultimate analysis of the guy. There's some beef there. It's not a list. Lance Zerline, an old friend of mine at NFL.com, he most recently had a top 50 file. But at least those 50 guys have a big beefy paragraph that tells you something about them. It's not a list. Pro Football Focus has, a, you know, a full digital magazine something to read there, not a list. List is a good thing to read if you're having trouble falling asleep. <sighs> Put you right out. Finally, the one I'll plug, 33rd Team is a really good website. A lot of former 
um, NFL executives and coaches involved and the like. And I'll say this. I appreciate that they are offbeat. A lot of people, a lot of people are working off the same template in this. I have this conversation with Pete Prisco, CBS Sports, all the time. It's like, you know, everybody everybody says the same thing. And, and then, you know, everybody's collectively wrong together. And they're afraid of being, you know, out on a limb. Well, I'll give it to the 33rd team. They're out on a limb. They're big board. Number one, Broderick Jones. Number two, Quentin Johnson. And number three, Will Levis. That sounds crazy, right? Why does it sound crazy? Because everything we've read has those guys substantially lower. So I read that and I'm like, well, what the hell? Then I thought about it. And I said, well, this is good. Now I'd like to read a third thing that has three other guys who are generally in the top 15, but not one, two, three, one, two, three, different set of eyes. Let's read like, you know, like in the real world where several different scouting departments around the league would have several different board settings of their grades. I would like to see that more than I would like to see everything the same. But the one thing I absolutely don't want to see is a list of 379 players with the only thing breaking up the list is that, oh, you've reached 100. We're now going to start again at 101. It's just bullshit. Um, Mike Herndon this week at paulkuharski.com. Um, a very good piece. He'd done a piece previously looking at what it would take the Titans to trade up. Now he has a piece about what the Titans could get in a trade down. I highly recommend uh, you read this. If you're not a member of paulkuharski.com, you should come and read that. You should come and read uh, Blake Bettingfield's scouting reports, which have some beef to them on um, running backs, tight ends, edges, and inside linebackers, the other positions besides offensive line and wide receivers. Um, I'm writing this week about two big things the Titans must avoid um, in in the guys they pick this year, and I'll have a big mailbag where I try to hit as much uh, uh, on as much of what is on your mind as possible, all for just five ninety nine a month, or the price of twelve months uh, price a lot twelve months worth of content for the price of eleven months steal at that price. I assure you, come join. Check it out for a month. If you don't like it, bag it. You'll like it. Trust me. Herndon's trade down, he looks at several different scenarios with some teams behind the Titans who might have an impetus uh, to move up. One of those teams, the Washington Commanders, who are at uh, pick 16. So, you know, using the old Jimmy Johnson chart, which still seems to hold the most weight um, in terms of how deals are done, the Titans could get pick 16 in the first round, picks 90, pick 97 in the third round, pick 118 in the fourth round where they don't currently have a pick, and pick 150 in the fifth round, all for giving up pick 11. So it's a pick swap, 11 for 16 plus all that extra stuff. So right now, the Titans have six picks. If they made an imaginary trade like this with the commanders, they'd get nine picks, four in the top 100, seven in the top 150. Now, we know drafting is an inexact science. I think, you know, 
you want quality. You want blue chip guys. Blue chip guys are generally at the top, though we know that teams find them elsewhere. But, uh, you know, if I could have six, six picks and get that to nine, four in the top 100, seven in the top 150, that sounds pretty damn good to me. That scenario would leave them with pick 16 in the first, pick 41 in the second, pick 72 in the third, pick 97 in the third, pick 118 in the fourth, pick 147 in the fifth, pick 150 in the fifth, pick 186 in the sixth, and pick 228, who cares, in the seventh. That's a nice haul. Sounds pretty uh, enticing to me. I'm more interested in them trading back than up, unless somebody hits me over the head with the can't-miss guy at 11, which I'm just not seeing. Are you? Finally, Chris Moore. Titans agreed to terms, uh, announced on uh, Wednesday. They agreed to terms with Chris Moore, wide receiver from where else? Houston. Titans get, get guys from Houston. He didn't overlap with Tim Kelly in Houston, um, so – we, we don't have that connection. Pep Hamilton's the offensive coordinator there. Mike Vrabel interviewed Pep Hamilton um, when he promoted Todd Downing to uh, offensive coordinator. I think he might have wanted him for tight ends coach when he when he hired Todd Downing. Hamilton obviously uh, wound up doing better. Look, they needed uh, so so. I'm sure he got Pep Hamilton's review of of Chris Moore. Um, look, there's totally slim pickings in the veteran free agent market and they needed a body. And so I don't begrudge them getting a body. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's somewhat amusing that he comes, comes from Houston. Um, now you're going to use the resources you have. So I don't blame Vrabel for talking to Pep Hamilton or, or anybody that's left in Houston from when he was in Houston. Imagine that pipeline's going to run out at, at some point. But the acquisition of, of Moore is about depth. This should not ease the pressure of the Titans having to find two good pass targets in this draft one bit. He ran a 4-5-3 coming out of Cincinnati in 2016, long time ago, so he's not even that fast anymore. On 116 catches, over seven years in Cincinnati and Baltimore, I think I have that number right. He's averaged 11.1 yards. No kind of deep threat there. He played 297 special teams snaps. That's 66% of Baltimore's special team snaps in 2018. Last year when he became somewhat of a starter, he started seven games. He only played 24 special team snaps. I would think the Titans, of course, think that, that he can be a special teamer now. Traylon Burks certainly ranks ahead of him on the roster as it stands. I would hope Kyle Phillips does. I would think he'd be right there with NWI uh, and ahead of Racy McMath, Reggie Roberson, Mason Kinsey. But they got to have two guys coming in now out of this draft, I would hope that would be just behind Burks and you'd have Burks draft pick one draft pick two Phillips NWI and more. And then he'd be competing for fifth, 
If he's competing for fifth, that's well and good. I can handle him at fifth. But uh, look, he had 548 yards last year. Robert Woods had about that last year. How excited were you about Robert Woods? Robert Woods was a killer. Killed them with that amount. This guy needs to be a bit player. He's no solution. He's no solution. He's somebody to fill out and get ahead of some of these guys who are too far up the depth chart. As it is, I appreciate you being here. Join the site if you haven't already. Uh, draft week coming up. It's going to be huge. Thanks to Jaspers. Thanks to you. And uh, please, please be sure between now and next time I see you, don't lock the box, but do lock your locks. Cheers. Cheers.